Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Rob from Cigar Store Idiots. You may be asking yourself what Moonwalker Delta 8 is. Moonwalker is the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products, an emerging category pushing the boundaries of the cannabis plant. By expertly combining terpenes with complementary flavors, Moonwalker represents the absolute pinnacle of Delta 8 THC products, all engineered for pure bliss and joy. If you have any questions or concerns about the legality of Delta 8, please feel free to visit moonwalker.com backslash pages backslash legal. Uncertain times call for uncertain measures, and now more than ever, it's time to become prepared for the uncertainty that lies ahead. Hey, this is Rob from Cigar Store Idiots, and let me introduce you guys to Deluxe CCTV, Inc. They are the leading manufacturer and distributor of video and audio surveillance, hidden cameras, GPS trackers, anti-phone tapping devices, counter surveillance, and infidelity detection. Over the past 20 years, they've served over 500,000 customers worldwide. As the industry's trusted source in video surveillance, Deluxe CCTV Inc. offers the latest technology and security solutions such as video surveillance, custom hidden cameras, GPS trackers, bug detectors, and integrated surveillance systems. Also, they have a full line of survival gear. In addition, Deluxe CCTV Inc has the largest selection of covert surveillance equipment available in North America at the market's most competitive prices. Complementing their extensive line of high-quality products, Deluxe CCTV Inc. offers industry-leading warranties and exceptional customer service that continues to set them apart from other competitors. Head on over to CigarStoreIdiot.com, hit the link, and use promo code CSIPOD01 and get started today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Cigar Store Idiots. I am Rob, and I would like to bring into the studio one of my longtime friends, uh, all the way from the West Coast. Sylvia, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you? Um, I'm okay. I'm feeling a little bit better than I was. <laughs> well, that's good. How's how's uh, Oregon treating you? Well, today it cooled down to the 80s. It had been in the 90s, and, and it feels like somebody turned it, you know, from the 60s all the way up to hell, you know. I know. So, well, you know where we live, so it's uh, it's like that all the time. I know. Here, y'all, so. have the, 
y'all have the humidity too. Believe me, I remember living out there. I was pregnant with my first child in a little tin box they call a trailer. Yeah, yeah. No air yeah. conditioning. Oh my gosh. And I sweat in places I did not know I had glands. <laughs> and the, all the fan did was stir around the hot air. Right. I don't need it. It's like opening a convec. Uh, what is it? A, confe- a convection oven. So it's kind of like circulating that it's hot like air. It's like so. the crematory oven. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I um I actually have to come out to Oregon next week, so I'll be in Portland. I've got to come out there. Uh, the company I work for, we're doing. Uh, I've got to go to the training facility there for a week. So I've never been out there, so I don't know what to expect. So uh, if you got any good pointers or tips, uh, just well, kick, kick them my way so I can survive. Don't Portland my Oregon. Portland is a different thing altogether. I gotcha. Now, what part of Oregon do you live in? I live down I-5 from Portland in a town called Albany. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. I actually live a mile from I-5. Okay. So, See, I have no yeah. idea what I'm getting myself into. All I know is we're there, we're landing, we're staying at uh, a, re- a pretty nice hotel, and then they're going to shuttle us back and forth every day until we're done. And then uh, then I'm going to cut on out of there and head south. So, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about it. I've never – it's just somewhere I've never been. So, we'll, I'll check it out and give it a full review when I get back to the house. So. Well, I have to go up to Portland every three months to OHSU. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, if you would – you and I have known each other for a while. So, we've, we've probably known each yeah, other since we, the fifth grade, I think. I can I can tell you exactly the date that we met. It was uh, March the seventeenth, nineteen eighty six. St. Patty's Day. Yes, and you know how I remember that. How's that? I walked in the classroom, and Danny Easterwood's um, desk was right to my left. Yeah, and he was playing with his green bottle of glue, oh. and I said, "That makes sense." <laughs> Right, and that's why it stuck in my head. <laughs> right, man, I know it's a long. It seems like it's so. It seems so long ago. It really does. But then when you start thinking about, you know, thinking about things, it's. Uh, it seems like time went by so fast from when we were kids to now we're like grown ups with children and stuff like that. Well, you know, this generation really does not know <laughs> what. There's no proof of what we did. You right. know, there's Thank God for, for me, uh, for myself. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you know, I was always the new kid. I, I walked in to, to that fifth grade classroom, Miss Snow's class. Yep, still my favorite uh, teacher of all time. And um, I, I just, I was always the new kid. That was the third school I had been to that year. Holy cow. In one year. In, in one year, yes. Okay. And that was not the first time I had seen school. Yeah. I, I, um, I started school in Texas. Uh-huh. And um, my father was one of nine children. And so there were a bunch of grandkids. Gotcha. And so... And see, I'm my family. My family's my family's similar to that too. Because my dad's one of nine. I think I have like thirty something cousins. I think I, don't, I have twenty six first cousins. Yeah, and that's not the second and third sure. cousin. Or actually, it 
first cousins once removed and then second cousins and then whatever. But um, people argue with me about that all the time. I'm like, just look it up. Don't <laughs> argue with me. Just look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have but, our family's huge. I remember we used to have these huge family gatherings and things, and oh yeah, uh, it's, it was always an event. No matter if it was a birthday party or uh, or Christmas or stuff like that, it was always you know we always we always was around a bunch of family members. Well, I shared kindergarten with two of my first cousins, and so I already had friends there. Yeah, you know, and that I had known all my life. Mm-hmm. And then we switched schools, and I can't remember at that point whether we had moved or whether we the boundary lines had changed. Mm-hmm. But I went to first grade and the first part of second grade at the same school. And then Valentine's Day, um, let me back up to Christmas that year, and um, my mom wanted to watch The Nutcracker starring Mikhail Brishnikov. And it was a little bitty black and white set. And not like these big old flat screens that yeah, we have. Yeah, not like these big this giant TVs we have now. Right. And, 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 and the kids were the remote controls. Right? Right. Yeah. So, and we would go get Cokes out of the refrigerator or, you know. Whatever else. Beer, whatever. Yeah. I had cousins we had to go outside and turn the antenna on their house to get another channel. So I, I get it. Sometimes you needed pliers to switch the channel. Yes. So my father thought it'd be a good idea to get us involved in a game while my mom was trying to watch this. And then, you know, we were supposed to decorate the tree and he stuck my mom in the back corner to decorate the back of it. And he knew she was trying to watch that. Um. And I don't know exactly what had happened. I'm not sure, but all I remember is my father grabbing my mother by the jaw and picking her up off the ground. Oh, goodness. And I remember even before that where my mom's only five one, mm-hmm. And somehow she got a bruise from the deadbolt that was at her eye level on her arm. Mm-hmm. And I watched it happen. And now, how old were you? Oh my gosh, I think I was seven, six, or seven. Gotcha. But um, when we were living on Hay Street, we had my sixth birthday party. And like you said, big birth, big event. Mm-hmm. You know, all my cousins were invited. I didn't need friends invited. Had all my cousins there. Right. Because those were so, your best friends. That was the same way with me when I was a kid. All, my cousins were my best friends. And the mentors and the same people that didn't want you to tag along if they were doing yeah. something. Right. And so my, my mother and father had a rocky relationship. I mean, they loved each other, but Valentine's Day, there was another thing. I didn't see it because I, my sister and I were fighting over Valentine's. And we had to go stand up against the wall with our faces to the wall. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see. But I remember my father, I, there was a lot of yelling. And then my father left and my mom was at the kitchen table. And we went to her and she says, no more. I'm done. Mm-hmm. This, is the last, this is the last time. 
so I'm wanting to say February of that year later. Um, my mom picked us up from school, and then we went a long ways away to a um, place where uh, a lady met us. Okay. And she drove a Volkswagen bus. And she lifted the hood and was putting our luggage there. And I'm like, why is she putting our luggage with the engine? What's going on? <laughs> I know. That is odd <laughs> to see that. Still, uh, it's still odd to this day to see that. And we didn't need seatbelts back then. So I was standing up and looking and trying to figure it out. And Ted was walking away. And we were told we can't get out of the car. And there were four of us. What, three. Three of us crammed in the back seat. Mm-hmm. My mom was holding my sister because, again, we didn't need car seats. Right. And then we went to a women's shelter where I went to my second school of my second grade year. Okay. So that's kind of when the, when you started moving around. Is that right? Because when y'all started. So we were moving around for quite some time because I was born at Floyd Medical Center. Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't know that. And, well, I mean, unless. I don't know many people who live in Rome that weren't born, born at Rome. Exactly. That's the only place you could be born. Yeah, unless it was your grandma's kitchen table. I mean, you was born at Floyd. So, Well, my sister was born in Somerville, but that hospital turned into an assisted living facility slash nursing home. Gotcha. And so what it is now. But at any rate, so... I have been moving around for quite some time. My brother, my sister was born in Somerville. My brother was born at Floyd Medical. And then my, one of my other sisters was born. Um, she was the New Year's baby of Tyler County, Texas. Oh, wow. So, and see, that's a big yeah. deal. You get all kinds of good stuff when you're the New Year's baby. Yeah. <laughs> and my mother used the newspaper article for a birth certificate for years. Oh, wow. And yeah. <laughs> and so, um, went there and I didn't get to stay long. And then I went to Somerville Elementary. Okay. Where Ms. Baker was my first teacher. And then they held me back because that was such a disruption to my learning process. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. You got uprooted. Uh, I mean, do you remember, I mean, I think you said you had two two events that you remember your your mom and dad were kind of, your dad was a little abusive. Is it, Do you do you feel like it was a lot more than that, though, did, for your mom to just kind of finally say, that's the final straw, that's the end? That you're, yeah, you're, I know it was, but in my father's defense, it's a generational thing. Okay. That was taught to him. It was, it, it was passed down from father to son, and... In my father's case, I can't speak for my uncle. Gotcha. Don't know that. Okay. But I do know that for my, uh, in my father's case, it was a generational thing. And that's that one of those, um, those vicious cycles that we talk about with abuse. I mean, it's it's passed down until people figure out a way to deal with it. It's, it's just. Unless you're taught better. Right. Unless you're taught. You think that's the right way? Yeah. Yeah, and my father and his his older brother, because he has one younger brother, and 
were sneaking a cigarette and didn't want to get caught. So they put the cigarette on this post and the wind blew it off and it started burning a field. Oh my gosh. And my grandmother braided together a belt and electric school cord and something else and wore those boys out. Goodness I mean, that gracious. Was yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. They never did that again. I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least they didn't get caught. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even get in trouble again if I got whipped like that. I probably should have a time or two in my life. I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. I think, well, I don't I don't know. I never hung out with you like that. Yeah. I no, I was at school and school functions. No, honestly I was good because I was afraid of my dad. I didn't I didn't want to act out because I I knew that I did not want to deal with him uh on I don't want to be on the other side of a belt with him. So I always try to behave. Right. So then, yeah, I think there was. Um, but again, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember a couple of instances. And um, he loved her. He really did. He bought her things. And I... He um he really tried to provide for her, mm-hmm. but I also think that it was that generational thing where he thought he had to try to control her. Right, right. And so, um, my mom left it, and we got to Somerville, and we stayed with my grandparents in Tryon, and so they would they would um. Well, we weren't in school just yet. My mom didn't get us in school at that point. Okay. She did quickly because she, I don't know if you know Somerville at all, um, but uh, where Sitton's apartments used to be. Yes. That's where we live. Okay. And in, in a trailer in that back corner. Okay. And I remember before Ingalls was built. That was just in fields. I gotcha. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, so we'd walk to where the library used to be. It's not there anymore, I noticed, a couple of years ago. Um, and then I remember going to that park, and they had just put the uh, Wizard of Oz characters on the different playground equipment. And I remember, you know, just trying to fit in. Right. In and it's front. and it's hard because you're make you're 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 having to meet new people all the time. Like you're you're being plucked out of somewhere and stuck into another situation, and it's just it's like everything's starting. Off. I, I I can't. I mean, I was fortunate. I didn't have to move around when I was a kid, and uh, I can't even imagine how tough that would be to go. You know, from different school to different school to try to, you know, just kind of fit in. Like you said, trying to fit in. I, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be going to different places. And so for, in Somerville, I stayed from seventh, from uh, second grade to fifth grade mm-hmm. until I wasn't, until my mom got married. Okay. And then I to, um, to Rome, to West Rome. And I was at Alto Park Elementary. Okay. Well, to go from a Chattooga County school to a Floyd County school, they have to test you all over again, mm-hmm. and that disrupts the learning process. Right. So once it's held back, so now I'm two years behind in school, 
and we're still we're still at that same address but the lines get moved i guess the city annexed part of that because then i was suddenly in a wrong city school oh lord west end. west end okay so then we moved again and i was at north heights elementary And then I was at um, McHenry. Then you came to McHenry, where I was. Yep. Yep. So how many schools is that? And and, and this is from fifth, like from kindergarten to fifth grade. How many schools are we looking at? Okay, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight schools. So, I mean. Again, it's almost an impossible task to get settled somewhere and get, you know, to make friends and fit in. I mean, you got, you know, we're looking at seven, eight schools. It, it's, man, that's tough. That's tough. I can't well, even imagine just, it. That's just moving around. That's not counting what happened during the moving around. Right. I mean, there was a single parent. And when um, Sitton was, Mr. Sitton was uh, going to sell the property, um, we had to move. We couldn't stay on property that was going to be sold. Right. So mom had to move into the projects. And I don't remember much about the first project house that we moved into, other than we wrote on the walls. and You know, the, <laughs> you had to find a way to entertain yourself. That's, <laughs> most kids do that by writing on the wall. But I remember that Fact had told my mother, you can't have a boy and a girl sharing a room, and you can't have three girls sharing a room. You're going to have to get a bigger house. Well, there was only one available. Yeah. And that was on Hawkins Drive in Somerville, Georgia. Hawkins Drive is in the block section. I got gotcha. you. That was rough. Yeah. I mean, when I married my husband, I told him, you know, don't be scared if, uh, you turn the lights off and I'm glowing in the dark because I'm so pale. <laughs> and my sister and I were the only two white kids on that bus. Yeah. And you, you, you remember how blonde I was? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, how pale I was. Oh my word. And you want to talk about, I mean, I'm not meaning to be like insensitive, but I felt like I was glowing in the dark. Yeah. And, you know, it's not being insensitive. And, you know, you hear you hear other stories, too, of people that, you know, that have grown up, I guess, grown up in the projects. Uh, it was a tough life living there. You know, it's uh, it was it was tough for the people that grew up there. And it was tough for the people, especially that moved there that wasn't from there. And uh, I know y'all had some you had some things happen uh, while y'all were yeah. there. Yeah. Um, it wasn't unusual for us to come home because, like I said, my mom was a single parent. She was trying to work and go to school at the same time. And so we'd come home at night, and it wasn't strange for us to find that either we had been broken into and had our refrigerator rifled through. I mean, there was one time where they even ran their fingers through my sister's birthday cake in the refrigerator and oh. left it there. Um, and that's terrifying. I mean, you guys are, you're just a little kid. I mean, that's terrifying for an adult. Have gallon sized liquor bottles thrown through the back windows and mm. um, trying to go to sleep and have them knock on your windows and run. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, one time when they robbed us, they even took the phone so we couldn't call the cops. Yeah, that's scary. And so mom had to load us back up because if they're going to take our phone, they're probably waiting for us to go use the payphone up the hill, and that ain't going to happen. Right. So we had to load up and go to my grandparents' house for the night and then call the cops in the morning because mm-hmm. we didn't want to touch anything. Right. Because the evidence, his fingerprints everywhere. How? Ha- I mean, our we live there. There's how, finger, there's our fingerprinting everywhere anyway. How, but how we, how how helpful was the police when you guys would call them though? I mean, were they helpful to you guys, or they just treated you no. like? Yeah, that's no. A- the final straw happened, and I'm out of respect um, for the people involved. I'm not going to like go into the sure. final straw, but. When the final straw happened, I had a white police officer look at us because we were gathered in the living room at in the middle of the freaking night and say to me, if mommy had locked the doors and the windows, this wouldn't have happened. Unbelievable. And my uncle was home from the army at that point, And he said, I want you to, I mean, he heard them from where he was. And he comes to the police officer and he says, come here, I want to show you something. And he shows them that it doesn't take much more than a switchblade to open those windows. Right. And they've already, they're used to breaking in the house. They've, they've done it multiple times. So it's not like it would be something they haven't done already. Well, what is scary is they broke in through my little brother's window. Oh, wow. And he was there asleep when they broke in. Yes. And he was only five years old. That's pretty, that's just crazy. That's and, terrifying. And I mean, they're my, the three-year-old slept through the whole thing and that was a blessing. Yeah. But the rest of it. And so after we had to move, my mom sat us down and she said, um, I, I want you guys to understand. There are bad people in this world. Mm-hmm. Not all black people. It's not all white people. It's not all Mexicans. There's just bad people. There's bad people in every color. There's right. good people in every color. Right. I to understand that. Now, when you... you well, get- I did until I had gotten much older that that event at nine years old affected the way I related to black people at North Heights Elementary. Oh, for sure. I mean, and that... I didn't and it didn't occur to my mother. Yeah. And so if you went to North Heights Elementary in the 1985-86 school year, please accept my apology. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, people, and that's just the whole thing. People don't really realize what what other people go through. I mean, we don't know what goes on in other people's houses. We don't know what goes on in everybody's everyday, you know, day-to-day life. Uh, right. So, you know, being having some compassion and sympathy uh, when it's needed is, is important, you know, just a lot of people don't have a lot of compassion or a lot of people don't have sympathy, you know, it's just, we've, we've, the world's got away from that. So, um, well now yeah. can I go back just a little bit and we're not going to talk yeah. about the event, but can you, can you tell me how, how long that event took place? Like how long did y'all deal with that, that traumatic experience? How long, I mean, was it a, was it a lot? Was it, I forgot about the guy who came into our front yard with a gun. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, I have all, it's just, that was a bad place to be. No doubt. Yeah. But it, my, we were with the babysitter and I went inside to go to the bathroom. So I didn't personally see it, but I heard everybody outside yelling, get the kids in the house. I gotcha. I gotcha. How it happened. I don't, I don't know exactly. I do remember it starting after the school year had started. Mm -hmm. And I know that we spent Christmas there, New Year's there. So it happened during the third grade year, but it was the entirety of the year. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. But the actual event, the final straw where y'all moved out from there, was that when y'all were woken up? Was that a yeah. long ordeal? Like y'all, y'all were all kind of felt trapped, like you're all going to die in that situation. Well, or? First, thought it was a nightmare, right? And and then we came to realize what it was, and it it I can't tell you how long it lasted, but it probably I seemed forever. It was a nightmare, and it. It was in the middle of the night. I didn't, wasn't in the habit of looking at clocks at that point. So I can't tell you, but it just seemed, and it scares me to this day that, you know, if he came in through, if this, if this person broke in through one window, he must have looked in all the rooms. Yeah. Yeah, and that didn't occur to me until I was grown. Right. I'm thankful it didn't occur to me until I was yeah. grown. You guys were, you're very fortunate. I mean, unfortunate, but fortunate too. You know, it's it's a uh, that's yeah. just a that's a tough situation. I mean, and I and just like you said, you you thought you were in a nightmare, and, it, and for real, that's a nightmare. I mean, it's a real living nightmare. I can't even imagine. Well. Um. We stayed at my grandparents' house after that um, until the housing authority could find us a new house. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that I could escape that. Did they ever catch um, that gentleman that broke in your house? I would not use the word gentleman. Well, in that. Yeah, I know. I would say piece of shit, but I was trying not to cuss with you on here. <laughs> but but uh, uh, did, my, they, did they catch my him? My favorite phrase when he finds a house out of square is... Um, you S-O-B-ing, let's see, you G-D-S-O-B-ing M-F-er. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Those I've, words are still too good for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, quite frankly, there wasn't a lineup. There wasn't an array of pictures. There was only one picture, and we were supposed to try to identify out of that one picture. So it was just so kind of I, disregarded by the police. They just totally disregarded it. They disregarded proper procedure. Right. Man. So and many times that happens, and it still happens to this day. It makes me crazy. They they think they they had the right guy, but, you know, it, if you don't follow the right process, they could always get off on a technicality. For sure. Yep. Yep. And there's those sleazy lawyers that look for those technicalities to get them off, you know, which is, uh, they're just as bad as the people that commit crimes. That's a crime in itself. Well, in all... With all due respect, not to defend the lawyers, but if they 
are assigned that case by the court, they have to do their job. Right. Because everybody constitutionally is entitled to representation. Right. Right. And so they have to, it, it may not be that they want to do that, but they may be in a position where they don't have a choice. Yeah. I would be like, I'll be washing my hair that day. I don't think I can help that person. So sorry. (laughs) Find somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but if you're assigned that case by the court, you, you got have it. To have yeah, a you get really it. Compelling reason, right? To not, case. yeah. Um. So, um, I don't. I I have to be honest. I do not know what happened to that character. Um, I don't really care. Right. At this point, it was coming up on forty years ago. Mm-hmm. So, if this guy's still alive, um, he's elderly. Yeah. Well, I hope he's had it ten times harder than y'all have ever had it the rest of his life. So. Yeah. Um. So, I know your your listeners are probably thinking, "What? Uh, what happened?" Or. I'm not saying what happened out of respect for the sure, no, no, and I and I yeah, and, and I and I totally respect that uh, from you. So I will. We're gonna we're gonna fast forward, and we're gonna move. Yeah. We're gonna move to um, when you Amen. to when you came. Uh, I guess came to Matt Henry. Yeah, um, I was twelve. That was the year I became a teenager, and I think. I know that David Nicholson was in that class. Yeah. Um, Rob, you. Yeah. Uh, Rob, uh, Danny Easterwood, who, when you and Rob were telling that story <laughs> about him and Coach Dewey, I'm like, I was right You remember that. Yeah. There. I was, I had just come out of the girls' locker room. I was right there. Yeah. I, I saw Coach Dewey's lower lip quiver. Yeah. And I saw the look in his eyes like, oh, crap. Yeah, that was a straight-up WWE body slam. Uh, I've never seen that, anything like it. <laughs> that was not a body, That was a suplex. Yeah, it was a belly-to-back suplex, and it was foul. It was, it was, it was perfectly executed. So that's what, that, happens, that's what happens when you swing on a teacher. <laughs> hey, all I know is they were arguing. Danny Easterwood thought he was going to get the better of, of Coach Dewey. Yeah, because he was bigger. If you well, remember, he was bigger. He was, oh my gosh, this dude was so big. I was, because of everything that I had been through, I knew to step back in to be touching that door. That's right. I'm, I'm going to back up. I don't care who's behind me. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it goes bad, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're, I think everybody in there was in shock. I mean, nobody was expecting that to happen, but uh, it happened. <laughs> but Dewey, you know, I mean, I saw his lower, lower lip quiver. I saw his the look in his eyes like, oh crap, is my career over? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know he was such a nice guy, like seriously, one of the nicest people. And I remembered him from you know elementary school up into I think he went to the middle school. He was in the middle school with us too. He left from middle school. I mean, elementary school <laughs> to middle school. Uh, that's that is the last thing in the world that man wanted to do. But this big giant kid swings on him, like trying to punch him, and, and you know, 
That's what happens when you when you swing at a teacher with a wrestling background. It's just it just it's instinct. I would have as hard as that too. I mean, they didn't jiggle at all. No, that man uh, that man was built like a fire hydrant. Yeah, he was solid. Yeah, yes. yeah, but yeah. I that, remember. I remember first meeting Coach Dewey at McHenry Elementary, mm-hmm. and I remember. <laughs> I came from North Heights. Remember? Yeah. And. I remember Miss Snow calling the roll, and and I'm over here writing on my writing a paper on my desk, and my name was called, and I said, "Yo!" and everybody turned and looked at me. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. And we was, we, all, we, we was all like, "Okay, all right." <laughs> when we went to reading group, um, people in the reading group, Jody Parr was one of them, had had told Coach Dewey about it, and he said, well, let's practice this. It's <laughs> so, too funny. Called, and I'm like, um, here? <laughs> yeah. He's like, um, I'm not doing that again. Here? It's <laughs> too funny. Well, no, no, no. That wasn't the worst thing that happened. Somebody tricked me into eating a moldy sandwich. All right? I yeah. mean, I, think that I was... didn't eat Let's no, no, be yeah. real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when somebody told me what it was, I mean, come on now. You're going to tell a hungry kid that moldy sandwich? Come on. Kids are terrible. Like, they are really terrible. They really are. They were the terrible then. They're terrible now. Like, you know, we've got young kids, and my daughters will come home and tell us stories about, you know, the way kids treat other kids. And, and luckily, you know, my son, my son's 20 now, but. He was one of those kids that always took up for kids that got picked on. That was his, the only time he ever got in trouble at school for fighting was he was taken up for other people. And so, you know, and I, I hated that we didn't have enough kids like that in school when we were in school because we just didn't. I think we, a lot of kids, for the most part, um, they, a lot of those kids I think were kind of in, they, they weren't in the best situations either. And so if they could take that, I project their cloud on another person uh, that just made them feel better about themselves, which is, which is sad and unfortunate, but you know, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's kind of what happens. Well, I ain't mad about it. And it don't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it it at all. And I, and I tell people, if your kids are picking on other kids, you should beat their ass. And if you don't, then somebody should beat yours for not making (laughs) your kid act better. So. Yeah, I've got two. They're in their twenties. One's, uh, 26. The other one's 24. Yeah. And my son is a sergeant in the U.S. Army. That's awesome. Tell him thank you for his service when you talk to him for, from us. Um, he just came back from three years in Germany. Okay. And um, he's up in Washington at um, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. They, at some point, joined bases. Mm-hmm. The military did, and McCord is Air Force, and and Lewis is Army. But yeah, he's um, he's up there. When he was in high school, he stuck up for kids too. Good for him. Um, he broke up a fight, and he was one of the popular kids. And so yeah, well, that's good. And when my daughter got to high school, she says, "My name is and not." Sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. So, 
Well, it sounds it sounds like you did the you you, you did well. I mean, you, it sounds like you did well with the kids for sure. But um, let's see, fifth grade. Oh, sixth, I went to Riverside, and then first part of seventh, I went to Coosa, and then we all met back up at Pepperell Elementary. No, Pepperell Middle. Yeah, Pepperell. Uh, from seventh on, and mm-hmm. then in eleventh grade, I went to our Murchie, and then I came back to Pepperell. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know you went to our. We went to our Murchie. I didn't know that. So good lord. So yeah. we we're talking about eight schools. Let's go ahead. We got Riverside and Coosa. That's ten. And then our Murchie in So so yeah, what are we like where are we at? Like twelve schools? Yes, then thirteen if you want to count night school because I was trying to make up for some uh credits that I trying didn't to get have. caught up. Okay. Good lord. I had no idea. But the thing yeah. is, you kept going. You kept going and you, you graduated. So that's I mean, you, you had every reason in the world to just say the hell with this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going back to school. And you didn't. You stuck with it. Well, I tell you, there was a time in ninth grade in Mr. McWhorter's algebra class where I said, do I really want to continue with this? Yeah. Do I really want to keep doing this? And then I thought, you know what? Yes, because I want my father to be proud of me. Yeah. I want to look at me the way he looked at me when I started reading mm-hmm. with that father's pride, you know, and that means everything to a little girl. It does. It does. I'm learning that every day. My daughter's nine now and I have uh, two stepdaughters. One's uh, 15 and one's eight, I think. So we have to watch out when the two little ones get quiet because we're afraid the house is going to get burned down. But, uh, but I, you know, I love those two girls just like their mom kid, and so we, uh, so I'm seeing, I'm seeing that, I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. I, I feel that, you know, every day there's something that happens, and it makes me. So yeah, I, it, it it resonates with me when you say that. So I completely understand. Now I want to ask you when, you know, I know you guys left. Your mom had left your father. Did you stay in contact with him? Was he still in contact with you? Did y'all still, you know, communicate with each other? Um. He came back into our lives when I was 18. Okay. And And then... Y'all had a lot of healing to do, I imagine. Well, we never really did heal. Okay. He and I. Um, And we no longer have that opportunity because cancer took him about nine years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. I guess you... He had a a six-year battle, and it had been 17 years since I had seen him. Yeah. And when I finally got to see him, I was happy that yeah. that I was that I was able to say goodbye. Yeah. And an angel paid for my ticket to go out there because we weren't able to do it. And um, so I'll forever be thankful yeah. for that. Did you ever know who bought that ticket for you? Oh, I do know who bought it, oh. and they wish to remain anonymous. Sure, that's divine intervention at its best, you know. People, God, and, God comes through for you uh, when when you need it. Yeah, yeah, and I have to say, I have to back up a little bit, and I'm, my mind is going in a couple of different directions. So forgive me if I'm no, bouncing. Believe bit. me, we are all uh, over the place on this thing. So you being a little uh, off, it's 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 just par for the course here. You fitting right in. Let me think. Okay, so 
Hmm. So fifth grade was fun for me, other than a couple of little teasing. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I just think that that sandwich was hazing. I don't think that it was anything more than that. Welcome to the welcome to the school. News welcome kids. to the shit show called <laughs> McHenry Elementary. So. <laughs> longer it's not there anymore i know it was kind of sad but um but going to riverside was interesting because that was the last year that school was open where was that school at exactly you would ask me that i can't i can't remember but then again i don't remember a whole lot i'm getting older so it's uh my cognitive memory is not what it used to be it was a feeder school for model high school. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. It was, it's now like a community center type thing. There was a dental clinic and clothing closet, a couple of other things in there. I gotcha. Um, but I, toward the end of the year in May of that year, I went roller skating because the PTA needed to spend all their money, because mm-hmm. that was their life. So the whole school went roller skating, and the whole school is not a big deal when you consider sixth grade was one single class, and right. seventh grade one single class, and mm-hmm. <laughs> kindergarten may have been a class and a half. And so um, I broke my leg. Oh, no. Roller skating? Air- yes. I went airborne, and my le- my right leg folded underneath my rear end, and Ooh. I landed. And so I had spent the rest of the year <laughs> in a cast from the bottoms of my toes all the way up to my hip. Good lord! You sound that sounds familiar. I I used to have body casts that would go to the top of my chest to my ankles. So that was always yeah, a good time. I was yeah. that was a good time. I was- how did you go to the bathroom? Oh uh, well, that was a that was an event in that itself. Was a so, uh, I don't want you to hear that. Nice on little, I always had, wonder. Had a nice little hole cut in there and uh, a very strong father. <laughs> and that's that's oh. that. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank I God he was. I was I imagine I probably weighed a ton with that big old cast on, so Yeah. But um got off track there for a second. Um so then we moved up to Shorter Avenue across from the theater. Yeah. Up there. It's a, it starts with an L and I can't remember the name of it. Litchfield? Yeah. It's all gone now. There's nothing there. It's uh it's it's, it's still standing but there's no theater there anymore. They I think they're doing like an inside storage unit facility now out there. I believe that's what they're doing with it. Wonderful. COVID put it out of business, you know, pretty much. I, I can't believe the one at the movie um, House out at Mount Berry is still still kicking, but uh, I think it was on its last leg there for a while, too. And then there was one over there where Sony's used to be. I think it's now the Shake and Bake. It's an Aldi's now, like a food store. There's theaters there? There's an Aldi's? Um, wow. An, yeah, there was an, no, an Aldi's grocery store. It's there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is now. It's not a theater anymore, so. But if you stay out there long enough after dark, you'll probably get a good show. It's just live. It's not recorded on TV. That's, that's okay. I don't. I don't need that. Yeah, I'm, I, it gets a little active out there. I guess at night on the weekends. So 
know another theater that was torn down on Highway 27 across from Floyd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one was rough. That one probably needed to go. <laughs> that, yeah, big picture was not turned far enough away from the road. It was not. It was not. And I used to get, <laughs> I used to get smacked multiple times when we would go to my cousins in Alabama and went that way. Uh, my mom was like, if you turn around and look at that theater, I'm going to smack you. And so I had to make sure she wasn't looking when I turned around. <laughs> So I was like terrible kid. So, but uh, it's yeah, it yeah. How crazy is it that we had a theater like that? It was ridiculous. Yeah, and for you listeners who don't know, you don't need to know. Yeah, they did not show Disney movies uh, on the big screen. So, no, they showed a um, a movie called Flesh Gordon. Yeah, not Flash, but Flesh. Yeah. <laughs> so, God, I cannot believe they got away with that. I really don't understand how they were able to get away with that. My 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 stepdad had a friend who used to sell tickets there and and he said he said a deacon at his church came and neither one of them said a word to each other. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, hey. It's <laughs> they're everywhere, you know. Doesn't doesn't matter what what uh what path you walk seems like sometimes they they a lot of folks were straight to that straight to that wrong path. So yeah, but that that's not a good path. To no, stay on agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, well, so far. so we got you back for for senior year. We got you back, so we yeah. all graduated together. I uh, didn't graduate with y'all. You did? I thought you graduated with us. I walked with the class in '94. Okay, I graduated. I completed my credits in October of 93. So is that when you went back to, like, night school? You're taking, getting caught up on your credits? Well, I had been doing that for quite some time. Sure. And which is understandable. I mean, yeah. I mean, completely understandable. Jesus Christ, for you to finish high school is is a testament in its own, you know. Actually, the year I turned 20. So, yes. (laughs) But you did it. That's all that matters. So Yeah. And when... Um, when I did graduate, I had gone through even more trauma because my stepdad was a diabetic and, um, he got behind the wheel and to run an errand for my mother and his blood sugar dropped, I think to 17. Oh man. And he got on the wrong side of highway 411 oh no and hit someone head on and it killed both of them goodness gracious and i remember working at pope folks and i know for a fact that ain't there no more that is not there it's a chinese restaurant now <laughs> hopefully it closed down because it was pretty gnarly in there i don't I think we went in there maybe once or twice to eat and it was a bad decision it was not a yeah. smart move um, it was not smart move. <laughs> no, the work, but I wish I had stayed at Chick Fil A. But the Dwarf House, when it opened, mm-hmm. stayed there. Um, I, I tell everybody Chick Fil A. I've worked at several places throughout my life, and I, I'm telling you, Chick Fil A is the best company I ever worked for. Still to this day, I'll tell everybody you know that's listening. Chick Fil A was the best company I ever worked for, and I worked too. at big corporations and banks and. You know, all kinds of stuff. And Chick-fil-A was always on the, you know, top notch, how they treated their employees. But 
I, I, I was working the cashier part of it and something told me because I was off at nine and then I was going to grab myself something to eat and I was going to head home. The something told me to stick around mm-hmm. and then another call and she says, you know, he was in an accident and he's unconscious. They're telling me to come and to not come alone. Yeah. Well, to go to Silver Creek, I need to pass by the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, can, should I just go by myself? And something tells me, no, do not do that. Go get your mother. And the car seat for my sister, who was only four at the time, my baby sister, yeah. my step only child, only bio child, mm-hmm. um, was in that car. Oh, my gosh. And so I had to drive with my baby sister in the back seat with no car seat. Yeah. And now your your uh, your baby sister was in the car with your stepfather when he crashed. No, he, oh, okay. he was, I, I had gone home. Okay. My sister and my baby sister got in the car with me, and I had to drive without. Um, a car seat. I gotcha. I gotcha. And I'll never forget. And um, we went in the waiting room, and the look on the um, intake person's face—that the lady's face—was like, "Oh no!" and when the doctor came out, my mother said, he's dead, isn't he? And he said, yes. Goodness. And the scream that came out of my mother. Yeah. Startled everybody. <laughs> in sure, the emergency. yeah. And my sister's heels, because I was holding her, and they kicked into my hips. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, you've got to be mistaken. They called him. They called my mother and they told her he's unconscious. There's got to be a mistake. Yeah. Go see him. And he looked at me and the way he looked at me was like, you know, I'm so sorry that this is true. And so when my mother had found out the other guy um, had passed away in surgery, her eyes rolled in the back of her head and she just sort of went limp. Yeah. And so four years old, my sister didn't know what was going on and we were trying to figure it out for ourselves. I mean, it's a lot to process, you know, as an adult, Uh, you know, even as a kid, how do you even make sense of it? So we, decided that I would go back and identify my stepdad's body. So you identified him? I identified him, yeah. Man, what was that like, having to do that? Or were you guys close? I mean, were you were you close to him? I was close to him because he and I had a lot in common. Mm-hmm. My other siblings couldn't stand him. Okay. Um, 
and it turns out for good reason. We didn't find out. I didn't find out till after his death. Um, but, um, I had driven there and I don't even remember who gave my mother a ride home. Yeah. She didn't even go straight home. My four, my 14 year old sister was spending the night with somebody and, my mom was so numb. She just says, hey, your stepdad died. Um, let's go. Holy cow. And, and, I mean, my mother was so numb, she just blurted it out and just didn't and know. she was in how shock. To... Yeah, she was still in shock, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And so that's how my sister found out. And then... Then my, the sister that's next to me, because I'm the oldest, was pregnant at the time. And my brother was at, our brother was at her house. Mm -hmm. And I had to make the phone call to them to let them know what was going on. And then I remember Mr. Puckett, he was my Sunday school teacher, actually. From Pepperell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he and um, Tim Burnham, he was the pastor at First Baptist Lindale at the time. They came walking through the door, and I didn't live too far. We, Mr. Puckett didn't live too far away from us. Mm -hmm. And so they would not let me drive home. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can drive. They're like, you are not driving home. You just went through something horrible. You're not driving home. Yeah. And so I said, I need to get something to eat. I'm hungry. I hadn't forgotten that I was hungry. <laughs> right. I mean, you remember how thin I was when I needed to eat. It was time to eat. <laughs> it was somebody's time. life was in danger. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that, really. It was like it was like a very calm, very almost numb, I need to eat. Mm -hmm. I need to take care of me. Yeah. Because if I don't take care of me, I'm not going to be able to take care of my mom and my sister. Right. Now, with you being the oldest, do you, do you, I mean, and this, I, and I, I asked this question, uh, do you, did you find yourself a lot of times like playing a bigger role than you probably should have as like, yeah, yeah. so you were kind of like a, a second mom, kind of? When my mother divorced my father. You took that on and to take care of your mom? Yeah. Okay. Everybody told me. You need to help your mom. You yeah. need to take care of And I'm a very literal person. Yeah. I always have been. Sure. And how old so, were you? Eight? You know, seven. eight, nine, seven, eight, nine years old. That is yeah. a, that is a huge burden that I think a lot of people, and, and you, it, it sounds terrible, terrible for me to say it's a burden, but it, it is a ton to put on a small child to think that they have to nurture an adult it, when it, it's always should be the other way around. The adult's the is, one that nurtures the child. It is a heavy responsibility. Yes, on a seven, eight, nine-year-old child. Yeah, and so all the way to my, how old were you when your stepfather passed away? Uh, twenty. You've been doing it for you know 
what, 11 years, 11, so 12, 13 years. At, after that, I would ask my mom, where are you going? When you coming back, where are you, where are you going to be? You took and on a parental one, role. And at one point, my mom said, you don't need to mother me. And I said, mom, I've already lost one parent. I do not want to lose another. Yeah. And that clicked with her that I wasn't trying to do that out of control. I was trying to do that to know what to expect, yeah. to know that she was safe, to yeah. know that it was going to be okay. And whether she realized it or not, you, you've been looking out for her for, for a very long time, you know? Uh, I want to say that, but I don't know how much of that is true. Okay. Um, because I really did enjoy being a kid. I really enjoyed when we moved to Scoggins Street from Hawkins Drive. Um, there was a tree in the back, and I loved to climb up that tree and just escape everybody. Yeah. No roller skating, though. No roller skating. But <laughs> I also used to climb up the apple tree in the front, get on the uh, roof, and then jump off the back of the house. Yeah. See? You're a daredevil. We never, we never knew until now. You're a daredevil. Well, I was. <laughs> now it's like calculated risk. Yeah. Um, the only time I've ever been on a motorcycle was when my father took me on. Mm-hmm. Um. But there are things that I that I do enjoy doing that do give me a rush. Gotcha. But, you know, um. Jumping off the back of the house scared my mother so much. <laughs> I bet. And, you know, but being the oldest, I felt like it was my responsibility to shoulder, to to support my mother after my stepdad had passed away. Right. I, it was my job to step in and help with the four-year-old. Yeah. And I took her, I took my sister to classes with me at Floyd. Um, and I eventually, eventually due to that and then losing my grandmother exactly 50 weeks later. And then, you know, in between that, my, I was engaged. If you remember when we left high school, I was engaged. Um, the guy I was engaged to broke it off. Okay. Um, as it turned out, he was cheating with one of my bridesmaids. Oh, no. Um, he has since passed away. Oh. So if I had married him, I'd already be a widow. Right, right. Um, so, um, and then he, he broke it off in October. I met this guy in November. Added his eyes and flashed that smile at me. <laughs> and um, we would stay up and talk. I worked at Central Park right across the street from the hospital. I know that's not there anymore. It's been a couple of different things. Right. It has. But, it has. Yeah. But um, that's where we met. And we started dating in December, got married in January. And we found out we were expecting our son in February. 
and we celebrated 27 years of marriage in January. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. I have something in common with your wife. I'm the third wife. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is. uh, They say the third time is the charm. So, uh, well, you're a ball coach. My husband says it's either third time's a charm or three strikes you're out because I'm not (laughs) this again. (laughs) That's right. Hey, I'll agree with him on that. So, I'm 100% following that philosophy for sure. So, yeah. then after I got married and we, I was pregnant, okay, back up. I actually totaled out my car in December of 94. And he was coming from Armurchie to Silver Creek to pick me up to go to that in-between place. Yeah. Um, so we started, you know, hanging out and... He was living with his ex-wife at the time. Okay. He got the couch. She had the bed. And the girls had the other bedroom. Mm-hmm. They lived in Swan Lake in a two-bedroom trailer. Gotcha. Well, after we got married, she moved out. And he had custody of his bio daughter. And so the two girls were split up and all this stuff. False accusation was made against my husband, and there's another trauma that I had to go through. Goodness gracious. I mean, my life is just one big trauma, honestly, and it's like, this is life. You just plug on, you get through it, and you just you just keep moving. Right. You can't, and, you can't get stagnant. You got to keep moving. And, yeah. And then there was investigations and all that stuff and then I meet my mother-in-law for the first time and that was brilliant (laughs) and that went over well um wife number three of the baby boy hello yeah yeah hey nice to meet you (laughs) um so let me ask you this and and you kind of when you sent me a message a while back and this was something that and and this and this is important because we we, we we're seeing a lot of this now uh the past few years it's uh it's become more in the forefront because social media and also the news loves to plaster these stories about these children who've committed suicide because they were picked on and bullied and i know you had in your in the the initial chat you had had some issues around eight years old with that and could you would you mind talking about that I was on antidepressants at eight years old for being suicidal. And wow. I just, I just think that it was, I, I saw more trauma before the age of 10. No doubt. than people seen their entire life. Then, then, then most people see. Yeah. And, um, so I wanted to escape, but uh-huh. I didn't want to go to the father. I did. I couldn't see where this was going to end. And, and my mom had gotten me help. That's why I was on antidepressants. Gotcha. But I had ideations of, of hurting myself. Mm-hmm. Going, that was part of the jumping off the roof thing. It wasn't to hurt. It wasn't to commit suicide, but can I hurt myself? Yeah. You're just testing um, your limits. Yes. 
And I never jumped out of the tree because there were too many limbs that I would hit on the way down. Yeah. But it's just, you know, um, I used to climb up. The project houses didn't have closet doors. They had these metal rods that they had bolted into the door frame. And you would put a curtain on it. Okay. And I would think, what would happen if I were to grab onto this swing and land on my back? Would it hurt my head? Would it, would it hurt? How badly would it hurt? Yeah. Um, it's just really like, just to hear you say that, it's just to think about you being eight years old or any eight year old child trying to figure out ways to hurt themselves. Uh, so they didn't have to, to deal with, with, terrible things that's happened in their life. It's just, it's unimaginable to me. You know, it's just, it's sad. It's just really sad. And I'm, and I'm grateful that your mom, you know, she realized it and recognized what was going on and she got you some help. It's, uh, people don't pay attention to their kids enough. And I think a lot of times if people did pay attention to their children and what's going on, uh, maybe we could head off some of these, these other children that, that actually hurt themselves to the point to where they, they, they kill themselves. Well, I then you think, I never actually hurt myself really badly until it was an accident when I was 13 and I broke my leg. Yeah. Um, something kept me from doing that. Yeah. And I mean, you jump, you're jumping off of houses. Why do you, why would anybody think you was going to break your legs? Uh, (laughs) roller skating. Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) Really? Um, and it was just the one house. Yeah, because I went up off of a two-story house. No. That would be that would be crazy talk, right? Yeah, yeah it um, would. <laughs> Unless you had an umbrella like Mary Poppins, that would have been crazy. <laughs> Knowing my luck, it would have been like uh, one that just kind of whoop, and you go straight down. Oh, that's exactly what happens. I know that from experience. So that's another story in itself. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was fourteen. I I just thought, you know what, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm not a presence anymore. I'm tired of thinking that this is the only way out. I'm tired of of trying to entertain these notions or letting these things come through my head. I need to take these thoughts captive. Right. Need to lay them at the altar. Right. Because by this time I was involved in youth group. I was involved in church. Um, I think you all remember me from my from my church ways. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think you've ever really. I think maybe a couple of times, but I don't think you've ever really heard me cuss. Um, maybe a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember. I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, so. It's not that I was trying to be holier than thou. It's just that that's not for me. And there's nothing wrong. You know, that's, I think everybody needs some sort of spiritual guidance, however, wherever you seek it. Um, if, if it's the big bearded man in the sky or if it's, uh, or, you know, whatever the Native Americans think, everybody needs some spiritual guidance, no matter where you're, where you're seeking it. Everybody right. needs it. Right. So I just, I just said, you know, God, this is yours. I'm not. If my life ends, it's going to be you who takes my life. Right. Well, that's great it's, that you that you came to that it, resolution. 
Well, I still battled it after having children. Um, postpartum depression was a real thing. Right. And I didn't think about killing myself with my son. Um, but when my children were, I want to say somewhere as close as the year 2000, mm-hmm. um, I had had enough of whatever it was. I was in Oregon. I was homesick. I was, I wanted to, you know, I moved to Oregon in January of 97. And, um, so I had given up my culture. I had given up, you know, being able to see my family every day. You did not give up the Georgia Bulldogs, which I'm proud of you. I am not giving up those Bulldogs. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I I live across the street from Duck fans, and oh. leave me. Boy, you're going to have fun I'm, that first game of the season. You know that's who Georgia ooh. starts out with, right? Oh, my Lord. Yep. I, I'm thinking about walking into Applebee's with my dog shirt on. <laughs> you, you absolutely need to go there and bark at everybody in the room. That's what, that's yep. what you got to do. So. That's right. I'm a dog fan in the house. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, y'all want to know what a national championship champion looks like? Right over here. Right over here. Yeah, but they always point out that we they have one of our coaches. And I'm like, defensive coach, yeah. not the head coach. Right. There's a difference. Right. Oh, yeah. It's a big difference. So, yeah. So, you're in Oregon, and you, you've left everybody uh, to kind of kind of get a fresh start on a, on your on your family, on your specific family. Um, well, I was pregnant when I moved over here, yeah. and we didn't. We didn't know until later, but um, some, when I first moved to Oregon, I'm living with my mother-in-law. I'm hormonal. I'm homesick. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was horrible. But then fast forward three years later, and we are in our own home, and we, and I'm just, Something I don't remember what happened, but something happened to the point where I grabbed pills and I was in the bathroom floor and I was crying. I mean, it was just a river streaming down my face. Yeah. I felt like Jesus came and sat down beside me and he said, not today. You made a promise. Not today. And I said, you're right. And I opened my hand up and I flushed the pills down the toilet. Well, good. And ever since then, I've looked at my kids and I've said, they can't, I can't take their mother away from them. Mm-hmm. And now I have a grandbaby and I can't take his grandmother away from him. That's right. That's right. And so, and I have five bonus grandchildren. <laughs> Holy cow. So how many grandchildren, grandkids you got? Well, my husband has a total of four children, mm-hmm. one from the first marriage, one from the second marriage, and he and I have two together. Gotcha. And I have one bio-grandchild, but he has six bio-grandchildren. Gotcha. So so seven all together when you get them, get them all together? No, there's only six. Oh, six. Okay. Well, that's that yeah, Lindale math I'm, I'm working on, so sorry. His oldest has two, his his oldest son has two, his oldest daughter has three, and then there's one gotcha. from, from our daughter. Gotcha. Um, our boy hasn't had the opportunity to have children yet, 
so he's too busy being a soldier. <laughs> He'll get there. But he was married, and it didn't work out. Yeah. So it it's just you know he. It happens to the best of us. Said, "Mom, I'm afraid you're not going to have a grandchild for me." I said, "Sweetheart, you were born when your dad was 31." Yeah. So there's time. Right. Right. <laughs> You got plenty of time, kid. Just hang in there. So, <laughs> Well, I want to ask you one thing, and this is super important, and I want you put some thought into it. If you could go back and find, if if you could, if you could find eight-year-old Sylvia hanging out in the apple tree and you could climb up there with her, what kind of conversation would you have with her? What would you tell her to help her? I've never thought about it. Um, because, for me this was before that final straw event happened Mm -hmm. because I was nine when the final straw event happened let's do high school let's do high school Sylvia high school oh high school oh my gosh take it seriously like don't goof around take it seriously and um you have more friends than you think. Right. Because um, I really didn't feel like too many people had my back. Um, I know I when Mercedes came in the 10th grade, she and I clicked. Mm-hmm. I knew that she and I would be friends for life, and yeah. we are. We're good. Um. It's a lot to think about. Like I, I think about going back and having a conversation with my younger self, and it's a, uh, you know, and you know, your first love is not going to be your your husband. So love yeah. him while you him, but love him while you got him. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you remember who he was, right? Do we say his name, or do we keep that under wraps? I think we keep it under wraps out of respect because he, he but he knows who he is. Yeah. And I don't know if you know who he is. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He really was really good, really good dude. I think a lot of them. Yeah, he was in the band. Yep. And so was his wife. Yep. So he was he was my first love and you know, I think I think, you know, it's love the way you see love at that point. Mm -hmm. And we're still friends, but at the same time, um, I'm happy for him Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I grieve with him every summer. Um, But... That's just, I mean, the reason for the grieving when I saw through a picture, I could feel mm-hmm. the pain. And I've never looked at that picture since. Right. Because that was all too real. Right. And all too, like, heart piercing. And so I'm. Um, I, I'm kind of empathetic that way, but 
if I could go back to my high school self when I was 16, moving on to Cedar Avenue, putting beds together, I would say that, you know, just keep moving. Don't, don't stop. Don't give up. Just keep moving. I think that's great advice. I mean, I think it's great advice. And obviously it, it's, it, it's the way you, you, you survived. I mean, you kept moving, you kept working hard and you put those nasty things behind you, you know, to make a lot for yourself and your family. And I, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm very happy for you. And I'm glad that we got to have this conversation. Yeah. And I know, I know it wasn't easy, but I told you, I'd, I'd try to make it as easy as I could. So I hope, I hope it wasn't too terrible, but I, well, I do. It, I appreciate you. Well, I just have to say it one thing for me to take all the credit and that would not that would not be correct. If if I didn't have my faith mm-hmm. if I didn't have Jesus, if I didn't have my faith in God, even during the six year old or the seven year old thing, um, I can truly say that I've had, you know, an angel or Jesus with me that entire time. Right. And if it weren't for that, if it weren't for him sitting beside me on that bathroom floor, if it weren't for, you know, him saying, I need you to go to this church. Mm-hmm. If you're away from your church family in Georgia. You, this is the church I want you to go to here in Oregon. Right. If it weren't for his direction. I don't think I would be where I am now. Yeah. And so I'm very thankful and I have to give him all the credit. I have to give him the glory and I have to, I just have to say that I'm very, very, very thankful. And I do have a church family out here with this. We call ourselves soul sisters. Yeah. And it's a small group that I'm a part of. And I've been able to share with them. I've been able to say, hey, you know, I, I am struggling with this, or can you pray? Or they don't even have to know what they're praying for. I could say, this is an unspoken thing. I can't talk about it right now, but I need prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're right on it. It's so good and, that you got that. It's, it's great. And I think more people will benefit from a group like that, honestly. Yeah. Everybody needs some divine intervention for sure. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rob. Thank for you. I think you're, yeah. I I, look, I, a long time. I, I think that I just want you to know, I, I think you're very brave for, for, for all the things you've been through and how you've worked your life out. And, uh, I think you're very brave for coming on and telling this story and I hope and pray that you have continued happiness in the rest of your life and that if anybody, somebody listens to this, uh, it, it helps them. You, 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 you'll be surprised how many people uh, this is going to help when they listen to, to, to your story. I think it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a, um, you know, against all odds coming back and, uh, you know, creating a, creating a positive life for yourself and your family. So I really truly appreciate you doing that. And, and, coming on here and being brave enough to tell the story yeah and the story continues that's right it's unfinished i was diagnosed with um um 
ankylosing spondylitis not too long ago. So what what exactly is that? That is an autoimmune disorder. Eventually, okay. my is together, and it does affect other parts of my body. Goodness. So, um, yeah, and these shots that um, delay that fusion um, mm-hmm. cost five thousand dollars a month. Oh, so, yeah. So I am on um, public assistance for that because anybody, even if they want a billion dollar lottery, I don't know if they they could have. Yeah, I'm still mad about that person winning my money. I better not find out who you are. Just kidding. Yeah. Share a little bit. I need to pay the the taxes on it. Just share a little bit. Isn't that for real? I know. I didn't need it all. Just give me a little bit. So. Yeah. Well, look, we'll continue to be praying for you and shooting you some good vibes your way and, 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 and all that uh, that you're dealing with, too. So, But uh, it's good to talk to you. Be sure you're rooting those Bulldogs on hard this football season. And, I know uh, I'm on now from that practice. You that's know, those right. Brutal. Yeah, for sure. Well, I will, when I get this uploaded, I'll get it sent out to you so you guys can take a listen to it. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, I'll be, I, we'll talk soon. Yeah, it's lunchtime, my time, so. Go get some food. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, you take care. You too. All right, thank you. All right, Uh bye-bye. Was that I could be the bottom under the bed?